you found it. It's the Japan What Podcast, coming at you out of the back end of Tokyo. The Armpit of Asia. It's me, Matt Bigelow, in the Toshihisa Studios in Shinjuku, Tokyo, Japan. And I am having what you are having. Ah, it's exactly what you are having. Go to MatthewPMBigelow.com for all your podcasting Japan What Needs. And uh, we have show links, photos, etc. and more. I try to put a hot chick in there to see if uh, traffic goes up because of it. They say that happens. And uh, we're in Japan, so, you know, maybe there's a beautiful girl you'd be interested in looking at over at MatthewPMBigelow.com. That's also related to this episode of the podcast. Um, I was guest uh, on the... Behind the Schemes podcast um, a couple of days ago, last week. Great time over there. Uh, check out the interview, Behind the Schemes. And they were also um, talking about Wave Lake, which is a new um, streaming platform for music where people can donate uh, Bitcoin Satoshis. I really recommend all musicians to make the change away from big tech and into independent media uh, pronto. So go over to Wave Lake if you are a musician, upload your song and see if you can start earning Satoshis instead of likes and um, get some uh, form of currency in your pocket instead of making the people over at, uh, what's it call it, Spotify, even larger billionaires. Okay? I really recommend doing that. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, again, that's Behind the Schemes. Thank you to Booberry and uh, the fine folks over there at Behind the Schemes podcast for having me and for providing a lot of the back-end support that I've been transporting this podcast into the podcasting 2.0 infrastructure. I've gotten some uh, Satoshis, some Bitcoin donations um, over at Wave Lake for my music. And there's a lot of good music over there, by the way. I was listening to some of it. It's not all to my liking. It'd be nice to have uh, maybe uh, uh, categories or something like that. But some of like the the folk music that I was listening to was was spot on. Really good folk music, but it wasn't too cheesy or hokey. Folk music can really get hokey and cheesy super quick. But not not over there. Wave like MatthewPMBigelow.com. I'm also streaming um, my song Beekeeper, and one more song is over there. Uh, fudge which was mentioned on the Podcasting 2.0 app. All right, well, let's get into the podcast for today. We are going to begin, as usual, with a hate read from the uh, fine website. No, I hate this website. It's called, what's what's it called? Sora News 24. If I sound a bit flustered, it's because um, I had some technical glitches going on, but I'm finally up and at it, and let's just begin. So this is called the New Japanese Convenience Store, where you can drink beer on tap. I've seen this popping up recently from time to time. Near my house, there's one um, where it just says, like, Nama Beer. Like, what? You can get beer on tap at the convenience store now? Yes, you can. This is by Ona McGee from Sora News 24. When it comes to Japanese convenience stores, the top three convenience store chains, Lawson, Family Mart, and 7-Eleven, tend to get worldwide attention, but locals know there are hidden secrets to be found in some of the nation's smaller chains. Take New Days, for example. There are no hidden secrets in these smaller chains. Most of them are just garbage places that are more expensive than the other ones, by the way. 
Take New Days, for example. This convenience store chain, uh, chain is run by East Japan Railway Company, commonly known as JR East, so branches are limited to the railway company stations and platforms. Recently, though, a new two-story branch has appeared just outside the east exit of Tokyo's Iidabashi Station, and there you will be able to drink as if you were at a bar. Um, so there's a curtain, and it says, This particular New Day's, uh, I mean entry curtain, uh, only opened on March 16th, making it one of the newest branches in town. When our reporter P.K. Sanjun stumbled upon it by accident last week, he was immediately drawn to the bright lights of the store, stepping inside to find some interesting options on the first floor, like meals cooked in store, freshly baked bread, and side dishes from famous local establishments. See, this is why I don't like Sora News 24. He was drawn to the bright lights of the store. Oh, really? The store had lights inside of it. And then he, he found cooked meals and baked bread. <laughs> okay. Whoa. <laughs> the insanity. Please stop. Uh, drinking at the station eases the stress of making your way back to the station before the last train home. So the new New Days branch is the perfect place for a bar. Not only is the location great, the prices are great too because you can get a freshly poured jug or mug of draft beer for just 300 yen. Um, I used to drink at the stations a lot when I was in my mid-20s in Japan. For that very same reason, if you all go to a bar and you're all at different stations, you'll have different walking times to get back and then it does get kind of expensive because you start ordering drinks and, and meals and food and everything else, appies and stuff, so... If you just go to the convenience store and buy a couple of cans, it's like $5 as opposed to $25 to $30 going out after work. And if you're going out after work a couple of times a week, um, it gets expensive. But if you're just a couple of gaijins shooting a crap on the side of the road uh, over a couple of beers in the, in the humidity in the summer after work, it's kind of fun, actually. It's one of, the, one of my great memories of being in Japan is just outside with a beer and a friend from work. Kind of talking about the day, watching the world go by, and the humidity is very unique. Once you pay for the beer with staff on the first floor, where you can buy food items as well, we know! You'll be given a cup, which you then place on the server in the machine upstairs, and it will automatically be poured for you. Um, before you get into the area, though, you'll need to scan your receipt at the gate. No drinks purchased, no entry. So it just prevents people from coming in and using it for free. Stepping through the gate like a VIP, PK poured himself a beer and found himself a seat by the window. From there, he was able to relax and watch the traffic go by, etc., etc., etc. Once you finish your beer, you don't even have to go downstairs for another drink, as there's a sake and wine server in the corner. Simply grab a cup from the side, place it another drink spot of your choice, insert coins, and pour. Mm, smokers can make use of an enclosed heated space, and so there we go. Uh, this is the New Day's Itabashi East Exit Store. Pretty good on you, Sora News 24, for not making me totally hate you with your useless comparisons that never exist, as is usually the case. However, in this case, you do repeat yourself over and over and over again, and it's annoying. So there we go. That's the New Day's Sora News 24. We are going to jump right into the economy right now. By the way, if you're the first time listening to this podcast... I focus on AI markets, Japanese economy, uh, increasingly conflict, um, kind of the world economic form and how they're interfering with everything. Even though everybody hates them or considers them some sort of conspiracy theory, they're here, they're there, they're everywhere. I focus on them. I never thought I would, but that's just where it's leading. Um, and uh, strange items like we just listened to. So uh, stick on in. We're going to take a look at the economy by comparing 
the WEF aspect of uh, the Nikkei Shimbun, Japan's largest economic newspaper, uh, comparing the Japanese headlines to the Chinese headlines and see from the Japanese perspective in Japan, which one gives us a more accurate view of an economy that's easier to understand and which one gives us uh, 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 influence peddling on behalf of vested interests that don't represent the people. That would be the World Economic Forum through the Nikkei Shimbun, through their affiliates in the Council on Foreign Relations, and the Keidan Ren. The last one, the Keidan Ren, is just my personal opinion, but the Nikkei Shimbun headquarters is right next to the Keidan Ren, so there is that correlation. Not causation, but correlation. Let's take a look at these headlines. Here we go. Here we go. That band is a um, shamisen rock band in Tokyo, and that here we go is me. They asked me to do it, so I took it and used it for this um, segment here. Let's begin with the Nikkei Shimbun. This is the Japan side headlines. Biden to meet Kishida on Thursday in Hiroshima, White House. U.S. president to fly to Japan for G7 summit starting Friday. How, uh, how, how much do you think Biden is not going to be able to say one sentence, but all the newspapers will make Biden out to look like this amazing person with an amazing plan? Kishida and Yoon tout new departure for South Korea-Japan ties. We'll get more into that later. G7 summit to shine light on Indo-Pacific, former Biden advisor. Shine light on Indo-Pacific. <laughs> what does that even mean? Um, food and beverage. Japan cuisine gains fans in Middle East, buoyed by halal options. Increased access to affordable restaurants and regions spurs food exports. Johnny's chief apologizes for alleged sex abuse by late Kitagawa. That's a media and entertainment thing. This would be like akin to like a, a Backstreet Boys getting raped. Um, your week in Asia in 1989, China Central Asia Summit uh, grab results G7 Summit in Hiroshima. Did you hear about this China Central Asia Summit? I wonder what that's all about. I hear a lot about the G7. I wonder why. Reconstruction of Okinawa's Shuri Castle gains pace. It was destroyed in a fire a few years ago. Sushi school creates chefs in three months using hybrid teaching. Course with online video, hands-on training aimed at addressing shortage of pros. Japanese stop-motion film begin brings wooden samurai to life. Semiconductors. Samsung to build chip development facility in Japan. Uh, G7 heads call for action to remove space debris from orbit. Uh, yeah, Japan has this satellite idea to um, remove a lot of the space debris. Um, if you look at maps of space debris uh, uh, of the Earth, they're grossly exaggerated to make it look like we're just surrounded in a, in a sea of shit, uh, but we're not. But uh, the satellite idea from Japan would have um, a, a satellite that can, you know, go up and down a re- relatively, you know, in a, in a certain allocated amount of, of space in space. And it would deploy a large tether with like a magnetic end and it would attract space debris into the magnet and then the rocket, the space, the satellite by Japan would bring the tether back to the the satellite and then kind of jettison it somehow or send it down below so that it burns up in the Earth's orbit. 
it's kind of a neat idea. Um, very Japanese in a way because it's not. It's it's very it's a high tech low tech solution where it's just like a giant tether on the end of a satellite. But you know, with Japanese math and Japanese engineering, they could use the simplicity in a complex way and and hopefully make things clean again. It, it's a very culturally a Japanese thing, but it never really works <laughs> like most Japanese satellites that are trying to be developed here. The Tokyo nightlife still not fully lit despite COVID recovery. Probably age. And then we'll do a couple of more. G7 is big right now. Um, G7 vows to take necessary, step, necessary steps to stop Russia evading sanctions. Um, feeling shy when you buy? Japan has you covered. Shops, restaurants, introducing tools that let people say no to idle chat. Since when do people ever do idle chat in Japan? It's, it's a perfunctory performance on every level. Okay. Rakuten sticks to mobile ambitions d despite $608 million uh, loss. Yet near record low against Swiss franc. NTT doubles down on AI with $60 billion investment. Shinsei Bank's bid to go private marks latest push towards bailout exit. And Japan tops banks expected to hit a nine-year profit high of $19 billion. Whoa, Okay. So we finally get something down there, but that's the Monday morning edition of the Nikkei Asia um, in English. And uh, as we can see, it's a lot of, um, it's, it, it feels something like a light economy for people who um, are scared of the real world. Let's take a look at the China side now. China holds rates, adds more liquidity as recovery struggles. Markets expected monetary easing may be inevitable in the coming months. China aims to cook up job growth with a return to street stall economy. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, China consumer prices rose 0.1% in April, sl uh, slowest rate in two years. It's still in uh, slowest rate. Mm, it was 0.1%. About that, um, the street mall stall economy, uh, I've been seeing a lot of forced agriculture right now in China, so they're probably trying to build up a forced street stall economy so that people have a place to sell the veggies and then the consumer um, market expands because of it. Um, Chinese apps catch up with U.S. peers despite headwinds. China aims to cook up job growth with a return to street stall economy. Well, it's repeating, okay. Uh, Australia trade minister pleased with talks with China. China slams Japan for plans to host NATO office. China regulators says Tesla to update software in more than one million cars. A lot of the times when you hear like, oh, Tesla is slammed with a recall. They're getting screwed. It's only a matter of time now before uh, Tesla goes out of business. Oftentimes it mentions it like towards the end of the article, but the um, so-called recall is just an over-the-air update. Tesla has, has a lot of software inside of it. So when they need to like update some sort of headlight issue, just for example, you just push a button on your phone if you're a Tesla owner and bzzz, it zaps the car with radio frequencies and updates. It's not really a recall. It's just like, hey, your app is out of date and you need to update it. You know, it's, So it's not really like um, uh, a big thing. You just got to hit the button. Uh, anyways, China's Oppo, uh, smartphone maker, to cease chip development amid smartphone gloom. Yeah, China under scrutiny and a message from Omaha. China's tech elite lead AI startup frenzy. China's SMIC foresees better Q2 on rush of domestic chip orders. China-US pledged to maintain dialogue as top officials meet. And finally, um, 
Micronesia's new president takes over from Taiwan-leaning predecessor. Wesley Ziminia faces diplomatic balancing between China and U.S. Uh, you, uh, the, the Chinese have been making massive inroads with a lot of um, Micronesia nations. Um, they see trade with China as more significant, um, and also as a futuristic, you know, geopolitical move. Um, China's economy is going up. They need the exports. It's right there. Um, and a lot of these countries are um, collectively minded as well. So, <clears throat> so places like Papua New Guinea, uh, micro, some Micronesia states uh, in that area are, are really leaning towards China now. Um, good luck. I really don't care. I mean, <laughs> does it matter to me? <laughs> no. Uh, so there we go. So those are the Chinese and the Japanese headlines for today. And overall, we can kind of see that um, uh, the Nikkei, I follow a lot of their editors on Twitter, and it's just like LGBTQ uh, politics. And I'm like, well, aren't you the like some sort of, I know that the Nikkei can have a whole bunch of different departments, and we're going to get into the LGBTQ uh, news in Japan in just a moment here, and I'm very neutral on it. I think everybody is equal. We should just make everybody equal and not make more people equal than other people. Doesn't matter who you are, where you are. Just everybody's equal. You can, if you don't want to make these, if you don't want to have a wedding with these people, you don't have to. And it could be for straight people or gay people or black people or whoever. Just you find the people that you want to work with and work with them. That's my honest opinion. Um, so there's there's that, but. When looking at um, the Nikkei editors that I'm following on Twitter, I don't see a lot of economic activity from them. I just see a lot of um, activism, it seems. So I'm not sure what's going on with the Nikkei Asia. A lot of these major Japanese companies will turn, the, the, uh, turn on a dime and just say, we're focusing on this, and then the economic policy changes and something from Washington or a think tank will make everybody say, nope, now we're focusing on this. And so um, Japan has this ability to kind of pretend to seem like it's really interested in something when in fact it's not. It's just going along with a short-term plan to maintain some sort of long-term outlook. But I'm not sure exactly what that long-term outlook is right now. I don't, I don't think most Japanese people do either. All right, let's move on to the next topic. Still in the economy, by the way. This one's great. I love this. Um, I'm flying back to Canada soon just for a vacation with my family to see my family in Canada and we had enough points for free tickets, but because of all of the um, non-free stuff in the economy right now, it cost us an extra $2,000 or $3,000 to pay for the tickets that were free. So we had the miles. Hey, you can go here for free. Let's just tally up that free. That's $3,000. On top of that, the yen is at historic lows, which we covered a little bit earlier, um, meaning, you know, you don't have as much money to fly around. So after all this COVID lockdown, lots of jobs being lost and people kind of being thrown into this turmoil of you're going to die, so get four vaccinations and wear a mask all the time. Just take all that off now and go traveling. According to the tourism industry, Japanese people urge to travel abroad to help airlines. <laughs> tourism industry. Now <laughs> we shut down everything so you couldn't go anywhere. Now go! Just do what we say. Uh, 
the Japan Tourism Agency and the Japan Association of Travel Agents on Wednesday urged people to take trips abroad in a bid to boost the airline and tourism industry as demand for international travel struggles to recover from the COVID-19 stupid pandemic. This comes to us from, um, uh, I guess, Japan Today for now. While the numbers of visitors to Japan have grown steadily since border restrictions were eased last year, infection concerns and the weak yen are believed to be putting Japanese nationals off traveling abroad. The number of Japanese people who left the country in March totaled 694,300, just 36% compared to the March 2019 before uh, compared to March 2019 before the pandemic according to government data. Foreign arrivals to Japan, in contrast, have recovered to 65.8% of the level in March 2019. These numbers suck. The agency will focus on promoting travel to 24 countries and regions, including the United States and Thailand, and will work with their respective official tourism bureaus to further... This is great. This is the reason I pulled this up. So, okay. So, okay, okay. Okay, guys. Guys, we shut everything down. Now you have four vaccinations and you're totally healthy, right? Um, and we, and your, your life's been turmoil. And uh, maybe it's time for a vacation, okay? Uh, we, we declared the pandemic is over. Therefore, do what we tell you again. So to do what we tell you again, this is great. We have a carrot and we have a stick. Before we were using this stick, but now we have a carrot. And this carrot is going to blow your mind. This is the carrot. This is the carrot. Are you ready? Are you thirsty? Are you begging for this carrot? Well, good, because we have the perfect carrot for you. To further incentivize international travel, the Japan Tourism Agency said it will gift 8,000 yen, or $55, in electronic money by lottery to 3,210 people who acquire a 10-year passport and fly internationally between July 1 and September 30th. <laughs> and before, before you get in line, hold on, guys. Application starts on May 15th. That's the recording of this podcast today. Quote, flight numbers will not recover on visitors to Japan alone. Koichi Wada, the head of the Japan Tourism Agency, said during a press conference, quote, it is important that travel demand recovers in both directions. <laughs> Hiroyuki Takahashi, chairman of the some sort of JATA tourism agency, said, we would like to pave the way toward a recovery in travelers through the summer holidays. All right. So in case you didn't realize this amazing so you so this free ticket that I got that ended up costing me $3,000 with a Japanese yen that was at parity with US dollar just a couple of years ago and is now at 20 to 30% less that okay um, it has a great incentive for me to just travel the world while most people in Japan are still masked up and still terrified of this virus, which gave people the sniffles unless you went to the hospital and got intubated in which they blew your lungs out. All right. To further incentivize international travel, you will get 8,000 yen. That's $55, people. 55! In electronic money by lottery, just by chance, to 3,210 people, a number that's just perfectly great, uh, who acquire a 10-year passport. So you have to go and renew your passport. So if you already have a passport, sorry, guys, you're not qualified. But you have to fly internationally between July 1st and September 30th. So if you go and get your passport renewed, you can stand a chance 
for the millions of people that they want to have travel, they want millions of people traveling, millions and millions of people going around, 3,210 people from those millions will get $55 if they apply correctly in electronic money. So there you go. $55. Do you have your electronic money wallet set up? Do you know how to do that? Is it going to take you hours to get that sorted? So you're going to do hours of free work so that you can get your $55 from the government? Pretty amazing plan, people. You are insane. I think we should hold you in the highest contempt. As a podcaster, I hold thee in high contempt. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Who the fudge thinks these things up and puts them out and rolls them out to the people and says, now you're going to travel, right? <laughs> what? We're in trouble. If those are the people trying to get us to do things, but maybe they, maybe they will. I mean, we saw what happened in the last three years. A lot of people lined up for a lot of insanity, didn't they? Didn't they indeed? Moving on with the economy. We have a lot to do today, actually. Um, this is this is actually pretty okay. We'll we'll do this one. Um, Gaijin truckers. So this will follow into a few different things. I want to get into war, and I want to get into society 5.0. And there's these cross references. So maybe we'll just reference them as they come up. The unbearable lightness of the idea to fill the shortage of truck drivers with foreign workers. May 7th, 2023. Um, this comes to us. I'll put it, I can't remember the source. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes. But the writer, his name is Tsukishima Tsukuru, and he's a freelance writer. Um, and as we have this labor shortage and a population uh, demographic uh, plummet, uh, it's interesting to see how people kind of think of these harebrained ideas because they don't know what they're doing. Amid the ongoing debate of the merits of accepting immigrants, serious considerations have begun regarding the introduction of foreign workers in the trucking industry. Is there no problem with that? Sure. Supplementing the labor shortage with foreign workers. Uh, the All Japan Truck Association, National Hire Car and Taxi Association, and Japan Bus Association have all specified their efforts towards introducing foreign workers in their business plans for the fiscal year 2023. In the trucking industry, the 2024 problem that will arise from the enforcement of work-style reform-related laws in April 2024 is a significant challenge. Uh, it's like an overtime limitation, so they need people to come in and cover that overtime. To address this issue, how effective is the introduction of foreign workers? The problems in the trucking industry summarized by the keyword 2024 problem are diverse. Among them, the shortage of drivers is becoming even more severe. Under the new work style reform related laws, the upper limit for overtime work for drivers will be restricted to 960 hours per year. So they want to reduce the amount of money they're paying out and bring in a whole bunch of cheap foreign labor. That's what they want to do. This is like uh, Democrats and Republicans in America with the southern border. Hey, we need avocado pickers. They're not going to pick themselves. We want more money. Maybe we can agree with each other there, uh, Democrats, Republicans. Therefore, the trucking industry is compelled to secure a greater number of drivers. Moreover, low-wage drivers have become accustomed to securing their income through overtime work. If overtime work, which serves as a means to increase income, is restricted, more people may consider leaving their jobs. It is through such a negative chain that the driver shortage worsens. I like this writing. It's very. I used to chat GPT to translate it, by the way. 
The labor shortage is not limited to the trucking industry, but it is becoming a serious issue in various industries. If the aging population continues to decline, um, the situation will become even more challenging. According to a survey by the Labor Policy Research and Training Organization, the Nerium Award Tokyo, the working age population in 2017 was approximately 67.2 million nationwide. It is projected to decrease to around 54.6 million by 2040, a decrease of 13, 14 million um, people. In just over 20 years, the labor force supporting society will decrease by approximately 20%. That's another way to look at it. That's a big percentage drop. In the face of this labor shortage, there are efforts to find solutions using various cutting-edge technologies. Um, however, it's not really going to work. Um, so... I'm not sure if there's going to be a lot of foreigners moving to Japan to drive truck, to be honest. I don't see the, I know Japanese people that have left Japan. I don't know, but I've read stories of truckers that have went to Australia, make way more money than in Japan and have way better working conditions and way better trucks. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to see this, this influx of, of drivers and who are they going to be? Where are they going to come from? Uh, uh, it's kind of, it's a very interesting idea. I don't care if foreign truckers are, are on the streets, but try driving around um, the, 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 Jap- the Japanese infrastructural networks and going down these tiny little roads uh, delivering goods to people without uh, getting a single blemish on the box. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Um, we'll, we'll switch into war. So that's the economy right now. Uh, let's go into war. Any final thoughts on the economy? Mm, it's virtue signaling. We're living in a virtue signaling economy, according to the news. And I look hard and I look hard for these things that don't focus on the virtue signaling aspects. But mm, good luck finding them because it's all virtue signaling aspects. Guest intro. Here we go. go. And we're going to go into war to link into that previous one. Serious crew shortages on MSDF, Marine Self-Defense Forces Vessels, temporary proposal to recruit foreigners. (laughs) We're going to have a lot of competition. You want to drive a truck or do you want to drive a destroyer? I'll take the um, the destroyer, please. <laughs> oh, man. And we are going with um, just regular, uh, whatchamacallit, um, uh, internet translator, uh, Google translator for this. Um, so, yeah, serious crew shortages on MSDF, MSDF vessels, temporary proposal to recruit foreigners. The defense, the Ministry of Defense is rushing to formulate measures to secure personnel for self-defense forces. The Ministry of Defense and Self-Defense Forces Experts Study Group on Strengthening the Human Base of the Defense Ministry and Self-Defense Forces, which the ministry set up in February, is expected to come up with recommendations by this summer. Of particular concern is securing crew members for the Maritime Self-Defense Force. At the end of the year, during the review process for revising the three security documents, there was even talk of hiring foreigners as crew members. The emergence of the ultimate measure to secure personnel can be said to be evidence of the seriousness of the crew shortage. 
As of the end of March of last year, the number of maritime self-defense personnel stood at 43,435, a sufficiency rate of 95.9%. The Maritime Self-Defense Force does not disclose the number of new crew members on its vessels as it would help clarify its defense capabilities. Um, compared to the self Compared to the Ground Self-Defense Force and the Air Self-Defense Force, the MSDF has a high sufficiency rate. However, according to multiple sources, there are few applicants for ship crews due to the avoidance of months-long voyages leading to a chronic labor shortage. In addition, almost everyone works in shifts of 24 hours a day, so the impact of staff shortages is greater when working on land. And the article goes on. I just thought it was interesting that we see this um, issue uh, pop up in uh, supply chain resilience in form of not enough truckers and then the government imposing um, laws that will restrict truckers and restrict the supply chain. And then also we have uh, fewer people going into the maritime self-defense forces. And I, I, to be honest, whether the, the young people really supported uh, the COVID measures or not, I don't see a lot of them becoming super nationalistic for having to deal with the last three years of this um, uh, bull sugar of the COVID um, restrictions. And a lot of these kids are going to understand that and they're not going to go and die for this country. I, I, I'm willing to put money on it. I'll, put, I'll, I'll, I'll wage 8,000 yen in electronic money to any to 432 people who apply on the website in the next 38 hours and who um, leave me their Albicoin wallet um, on a different website on the Behind the Schemes website. If you do all those things, you too can enter this challenge. Do you care to join me? Uh, you can also travel with these same stupid policies and gain a little bit of money that way too. All right. More war is coming up here in just a second. Do you be that boo? Um, Japan and South Korea to link radar systems via U.S. to track North's missiles, report says. Um, this probably has to do more with Russia and China, to be honest, with North Korea as a proxy. But as we can see that the South Korean government and the Japanese government make moves to align with each other, which is a great idea. It's also under the umbrella of the U.S. military, which um, maintains a very strong presence here. Um, German Navy announces new Pacific deployments as global Navy chiefs call for more Pacific cooperation. Now we have NATO coming into Japan and we have the German Navy, <laughs> whatever that is, going into the South Pacific. Uh, do you ever notice that there's not a lot of um, Japanese or Singapore or Vietnamese or Philippine um, naval vessels conducting operations off the coast of Finland? You ever notice that? You ever notice how we don't have, um, what are some other, uh, Palau going to California and conducting uh, navigational freedom of, you know, expression, navigation expressions there. I know that's not the right word. Um, freedom of navigation exercises. Notice how that never happens. It's like the whole world feels like it has the right to just parade around Asia with their military ships and be like, we're here, we're free. But most of Asia is like, why would we send all of our ships off the coast of Finland to protest Russia. What the hell are you guys doing over there? Uh, Taiwan will defend TSMC, that's the chip manufacturing, from U.S. bombing in the event of a China war. That was interesting because, in my opinion, the U.S. actually wants the war with Taiwan 
so that it um, increases division um, uh, amid uh, economic powerhouses in Asia and then imposes their um, economic uh, reliance of these Asian nations back onto America. We saw with um, the disruption between Russia and Europe with all that gas and LNG going into Germany, um, being cut off and bombed and probably not going to be a while before that can recover. America is now suddenly seeing a resurgence in gas demand to Europe. I mean, how did that ever happen? Um, the It would be great if for the American interest, um, think tanks who just think of America as first, number one, everything else is just some sort of meat curtain that deserves to be burned and cooked away to preserve American interests, would look at um, Taiwan and go, oh, perfect place. We can um, we can bomb those chip factories. They should be ours anyways. We'll, we'll make them in America. They won't. And then uh, China and Japan and Korea can really duke it out for a while. They'll hate each other because that's what Asian countries do. And we'll come in and say, why don't you build your factories back in America, reshore over here, and we'll provide you with more um, financial and uh, uh, military um, superiority uh, correlations. And they're like, oh, well... I guess we have no choice now that everything's burnt away. <laughs> okay, we'll do that. So um, I'm glad that Taiwan is saying that they're not going to let the U.S. just bomb their chip factories. In order to save the chip factories, we needed to bomb them. Is that, is that the U.S.? Yes, it is. Look what happened in um, Afghanistan. All those weapons, Taliban can't really operate a lot of that uh, high technology. They can sure sell it to adjacent countries that would like to reverse engineer it. Uh, but what they did get their hands on, according to some sources in India that I've researched, is a lot of biometric data that was left behind. Fingerprints, facial recognition, all that stuff of collaborators that the Taliban would call them collaborators. Uh, with the U.S. coalition forces. So the Taliban has their fingerprints, their faces, their IDs, their addresses. They can go now find them and kill them in front of their families, which they've been doing. So a lot of people in um, uh, Central Asia, India, uh, that kind of the subcontinent over there, um, not happy with, the, with American interventionalism at the moment. Not happy indeed. And that comes back on to Japan because... We just seem to be allowing, um, I don't like talking like that, actually, because it, it seems to be that none of these realities um, settle in inside of Japan. Instead, the Japanese foreign policy is just to say, oh, we support our working relationship with America and we endeavor to maintain an international rules-based order, which is happening more and more with the G7 summit. Um, I would, is that it for war for today? I believe it is. But um, with this idea of American interference, I wanted it to lead us into the LGBTQ phenomenon, which has um, reared its relevant array of gender pronoun heads in the country. So let's take a look at that. And right now there's... um. Two issues that's going that are going on simultaneously. A lot of the a lot of people are saying that um, Japan is protesting and uh, discriminating against the LGBTQ community. You can say it is. You can say it isn't. Um, to me, as long as gay marriage is illegal, that that should be the first thing. 
and then make LGBTQ policies. I mean, if you can have LGBTQ policies but still have gay marriage being illegal, I don't how you I don't know how you confront those two things. But um, a lot of people are saying that the current ambassador from the United States to Japan, Rahm Emanuel, uh, from Chicago, the mayor of ex mayor of Chicago. Some people are saying he's trying to um, interfere. Like Jap- one of the controversies that are occur- that is occurring right now is that he's attending political rallies and trying to um, push Japan to be more accepting of LGBTQ couples or um, peoples and identities. Oh yes, he is doing that. And some people are saying that Japanese people are angry because they are bigoted assholes. But a lot of Japanese people are saying, hey, 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 you're the ambassador to Japan. You shouldn't be interfering with our local policies. So what I would like to say, is it discriminatory or is it um, interventionalism on behalf of America? Should we be openly accepting of LGBTQ policies. Now, I've uh, mentioned earlier that I'm for equal rights for everybody. Uh, I'm not sure, though, about the political politicization of the LGBTQ policies and stuff. Um, I don't mind having a few extra genders on, on a menu at an airport to fill out. Are you Mr., Mrs., or X, or unknown, or unspecified? And they say, je, je, he... All these other things, I, I don't really care about that. I don't want to have automatically say cisgendered. I'm not going to identify as cisgendered. And I'm not going to say like, hey, you have heterosexual here, but I identify as straight. If it says heterosexual, I'm going to just say heterosexual. It's a form. I don't really care how many options there are as long as there's the one for me if there's supposed to be equal for everybody. Um, but uh, anyway, so we have this idea that... Um, Rahm Emanuel is interfering or is not interfering. And I just want to put out there that um, I'm an equal opportunity ismist. And so it's not only Rahm Emanuel, but a whole bunch of people from other countries in the world um, trying to push Japan. This is a, a tweet he sent out in a video form, and it has a whole bunch of music behind it and uh, pride colors in the background, as well as a Japanese and an American flag. I'm not sure if we'll play the whole thing, but this is what's causing a kerfuffle in Japan at the moment. Japan is on the horizon of hope and history for everybody. The time is now to ensure that everybody is seen, everybody is heard, and everybody is counted. None of us have a person to waste when we build a strong future. This is a moment to shape that future. I don't know what he's talking And not about. be shaped by the past. Shaped by the past? Gender-based discrimination or discrimination against the LGBTIQ community is wrong. This is somebody you from... need good legislation Finland? to prevent it. Let's work on it together. The Japanese flag. Greetings from the Argentine Embassy. We are very happy to be part of Tokyo Rainbow Pride in support and to celebrate the LGBTQ community. Ireland is proud to stand in solidarity with the LGBTIQ plus community and we are committed to working with all our EU and international partners to achieve the fundamental human rights goal of equality for all. Back in 1989, Denmark was the first country in the world to recognize same-sex partnerships. I support all efforts. But um, now in uh, Amsterdam... There's a huge influx of um, Islam immigrants, which is fine. I don't care. 
Uh, and maybe they're not really so excited about the amount of um, homosexuality on Amsterdam streets. And maybe a lot of gay people aren't holding hands as much as they used to when they go outside these days. Hmm, are they? Hmm. It's to have the same rights introduced here in Japan. Sweden believes this is very simple. You have the right to be who you are. You have the right to love who you want to love in Japan, in Sweden, and all over the world. Under the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, each and every person is entitled to equal protection before the law. Australia believes there is no place in the world for discrimination against LGBTQ plus people. That doesn't sound scripted. Australia does not believe that anywhere in the world is... The rights of LGBTQI plus people are human rights, pure and simple. Let's work towards making discrimination, any discrimination, anywhere, a thing of the past. Okay, so you get the idea. A lot of people are saying, oh, they're, they're interfering. I just see them as being uh, advocates. But you don't, I don't know. I'm not sure if, if, if it should be um, ambassadors and, and, and people like that doing that because a lot of Japanese people are, are really angry now because they don't, they're not angry about the LGBTQ stuff. That's, this, is the, this is the simultaneous thing that I was talking about earlier. A lot of Japanese people are saying, who are you coming over here to tell us what to do? You're not supposed to be doing that. You're supposed to be representing your country here. And now you're telling us what to do? What, what are you doing? Why are you here? So it, it, it's not the fact. It's like somebody saying to you, hey, you should, you should, you should pick up that pencil over there. Like, what are you, why are you telling me to pick up this pencil over there? Uh, you, you, I'll pick it up. I'll do whatever I want, you know. It's that kind of attitude. It's not whether it's right or wrong or if that pencil needs being picked up or if it doesn't. Um, that's, the, that's, that's the attitude that's being floated around right now. Um, so one politician, um, his name is Wada Masamune, is pushing back against this, um, this concept here. And he says, U.S. Ambassador Emmanuel, if you want Japan to take advantage of your U.S. ambassadorial position and act, we will take action to bring you home immediately, meaning stop interfering in our affairs. It is up to us to decide how to promote understanding of LGBT people within our own country. Uh, for example, Japan is completely different from countries that have discriminated against religious homosexuality by regulating laws and regulations. So... That's one person, and it goes on and on. I mean, I saw a lot of people um, who 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 are angry, not about the LGBTQ stuff. They they most of them support it, but they just don't want people coming here telling them how to do it. Let them figure it out themselves. Uh, it's a very interesting idea. Um, for example, though, we have this um, article from Redux.info, and I've seen this appear in other places as well. American trans activist sues Japan government to recognize self-declared gender identity, lesbian marriage. Um, so this is by Genevieve Gluck, and it comes to us from May 13th, 2023, and it has appeared in other articles in Japanese as well. And again, I'm just reporting from all over the place here. I'm not advocating the stance of this uh, or anything like that. Like, I, I trashed the Nikkei. I'll trash these people if need be. Um, 
An American man who identifies as a transgender lesbian is seeking to have his marriage recognized as one of the first lesbian marriages in Japan, <laughs> where same-sex marriages have not yet been legalized. So if he was just saying, I'm a man, because he's biologically male, the, the, the wedding could go forward. But he's like saying, I'm a lesbian, and now it's illegal. You see how this stuff is so dumb? If we just say it's all fun, it's all great, don't expect this person to to hold your marriage. And I, by the way, I want to know who does not, who would not conduct these types of marriages, because then I would know who to support and not support. I don't want to. I don't necessarily would just want to. It's like going into a bookstore where everybody's a weed smoker. You're gonna be like, okay, that's the weed smoker bookstore. I don't feel like being around a bunch of weed smokers right now. I think I'll go somewhere else. Like the more openness and transparency there is the more I am able to make decisions myself without having to recount some sort of if-then-what-have-you could-have-been-later uh, situation. So I just want it all to be open. That's my... So here we go. In 2021, while living as a resident of Japan, McGreedy and his spouse, Midori Morita, filed a lawsuit against the Japanese government. So I can already see where this article is coming from. Um, McCordy and her spouse, their spouse, his spouse... Um, filed a lawsuit against the Japanese government arguing that the refusal to acknowledge his marriage as a lesbian union was unconstitutional. Japan does not currently have self-identification policies and requires males who identify as transgender to have gone through genital surgeries and hormone treatment prior to be reclassified as the opposite sex on legal documents. So you can't have a penis and be a female. That's the policy. You get rid of your penis, you take your hormones, you look like a woman, as a traditional woman, you can still wear pants, whatever, and now, now you're a woman, but you can't get married because you chopped off your penis. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like this. I think it's so ridiculous. I think it's all ridiculous. And what does it say like um, to, the, to the local population where it's like, hey, we're suing you. I came here, I didn't chop off my dick, and now I'm, this is the way that some Japanese people would say it. I came here, I didn't chop off my dick, I think I'm a woman, and I want your government to recognize me as a lesbian, and if they don't, I'm going to sue you for violating my human rights. Let me tell you, a lot of people are going to go, what are you doing here, bro? This is the thing with the uh, Buddhist societies. You see that Buddha sitting there, the arms on their fat stomach, eyes closed, kind of smiling? That's what Asian people do. They will just let you talk and talk and talk and talk, and they will sit there smiling and smiling and smiling. And then you get tired of talking to somebody who's smiling and not responding, and you go away. <laughs> but I'm not sure if that's going to work this time, Asia. I think that we are witnessing... a. Uh, a massive wave of this culturally as an export. And uh, again, I'm at an age where I'm not, it's going to affect me in terms of jobs and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure I just, just like lost how many job opportunities if everybody comes and listens to this, even though I'm saying equality for everybody. I'm also saying I kind of understand what these people are saying. Get him out of here. He's white male. So there's that that's happening totally right now as I speak. And I don't care because uh, I'll just make my own thing and it will be moderately successful if I put enough effort into it. So that's the um, LGBTQ thing today. What do you think after all of this? Is it discrimination or is it interference? Oh, shit. 
Is it? Oh, is it? Have you thought of donating? After all of that, maybe you're in the mood for donating. Have you thought of donating to the Japan Love podcast? Of course you have. Now it's even easier than possible. Just go to MatthewPMBigelow.com. Send us some traffic. Click on some links. You can also go to PayPal.me forward slash Japan W-U-T or download one of the podcasting 2.0 compliant apps. I'm into Podverse. There's also CurioCaster. There's also Podcast Addict. There's also the Fountain app. And you can connect your Albi wallet to your Bitcoin wallet and start sending Satoshis directly to your favorite podcasters around the world. This is an infrastructure that's being rolled out and developed by the inventor of the podcast, Adam Curry. And if you vote against Adam Curry, you're voting against everything. So let's uh, vote for Adam Curry and vote for the Japan What Podcast by going to MatthewPMBigelow.com or downloading a podcast 2.0 compliant app and sending some Satoshis our way. We need them. We are a very lonely podcast on a very open beach. MatthewPMBigelow.com. And thank you. Saito Revenger. We're going to move next into... That's such a messy topic, eh? I'm always like, ah. <laughs> Oh, yes. Uh, I wanted to do this earlier. It just didn't work out that way. Um, let's take a look at Japan in Japan. This comes to us from uh, japanforward.com. This is um, by the Sankeishiban, I think. Um, and it's their English language um, online news site. I interviewed the um, leader of this, uh, Mr. Yasuo Naito, when it first launched five, six years ago now. Very uh, capable, interesting, and charming individual. Um, I, it's an interesting idea. Japan Forward is um, there. There, there are subheads are like politics and security, economy and tech, culture, entertainment, sports. They do a lot of features, and they have a wide variety of contributors. Uh, so I go there for that. And this one is um, expose China's insidious secret police stations in Japan. Now, we've heard about the secret police stations all over the place. Um, and in Japan, they're no exception. I've heard of a, one maybe in Ikebukuro in the form of a hotel. I believe I covered that on a previous podcast. And this is by um, a well-known writer uh, who was very credited talking about uh, her issues with the secret Chinese police stations in Japan. Calling China a master of infiltration... The author, who was persecuted for a book criticizing Xi Jinping, urges Japan to root out secret police stations. This, this article has its uh, up, ups and downs. Two Chinese-American men have recently been arrested for the alleged operation of a secret police station in New York City's Chinatown to monitor China's Chinese residents in the United States. 
While applauding the good news, I recalled various things that happened to me over the past few years. And again, this is by Yang Yi, a very accredited writer. Um, in uh, I read like an article in, in Canada, which is heavily compromised by the Chinese Communist Party. Whether you like that or not, that's up to you. Saying that, oh yeah, well, sometimes Chinese people need to have their driver's licenses renewed. So that's why we're opening up these secret police stations. <laughs> okay, <laughs> maybe there's another way to do it, but okay. Born in China and naturalized in Japan, I came under harassment from China. This is Yang Yi speaking out. I came under harassment from China after the breakout of the COVID-19 pandemic. As soon as a lockdown of China's Wuhan, where COVID-19 supposedly originated, I like this, was reported, relevant footage flooded the internet. They showed a group of people in protective gear forcibly confining people without food and the seriously ill, including the elderly and toddlers in their houses under the direction of the authorities. People crying in despair in the face of tyrannical power reminded me of childhood, of my, my childhood when my family and I suffered political persecution. My long-standing question of why ordinary people's lives have to be tossed about by national politics came to my mind again, and I could not but think about it. When I then concluded that the misfortunes of Chinese people might have originated from the Chinese Communist Party's dictatorship. This is the writer speaking, not me. I compiled my observations into a book called, titled My Enemy, Xi Jinping. <laughs> well, I would not... Uh, I'm in dangerous territory. I, I worry about talking about this way more than the LGBTQ stuff, let me tell you. Since then, my family members in China, but I'm a free speech absolutist, so I will say it. Since then, my family members in China have been summoned and blackmailed by security police. I, myself, in Japan was also treated badly. At first, I was inexplicably called by the Chinese embassy to pick up a parcel. Then, one ring and silent phone calls became uh, frequently. This is when you pick up the phone and no one's there, or just, and it's gone. And then a minute later, it's gone. My mobile phone and personal computers went down very often due to communication failure or something else. My scheduled undertaking was canceled by a Japanese publishing company. I've had something happen. I'm not on the same level at all. Very different level. But it's like, you know, it's like advertisements always pop up on your phone. I remember when Julian Assange was conducting a press conference live. I was trying to watch it and I was, my connection was fine and I put it up and I started listening to it and immediately my phone didn't just lose like connectivity the little this was back in 3g 4g the little icon on the top of my phone just disappeared as soon as i hit that button it was like well that's a little convenient it's a little too convenient isn't it when going out this is back to the writer when going out i was followed by suspicious vehicles a woman who identified herself as in charge of public relations at the chinese embassy made a number of calls to the publisher of my book condemning the publication such mysterious incidents came one after the other. I think that, I think if you title something Xi Jinping, my enemy, and the embassy takes issue with that, that's not, 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 not to be surprised by. In the most shocking incident, an acquaintance of mine made a phone call to me and started off by accusing, asking what evidence I had for writing that book, but I had never talked to her about politics before. I asked her if she had read the book. She answered no. She and other members of a Chinese cultural group forming an association in Japan seemed to have held a meeting at a Chinese restaurant to criticize me over anin dofu and very, very nice noodles. After author authoring a book critical of China in Japan, I was insidiously set up as a traitor of the Chinese Han race who committed a crime of subversion. 
Chinese overseas police stations that have become controversially globally reportedly also found in Japan. One is thought to be in Tokyo's Akihabara district and the other in Fukuoka. Now, my research that I said was done, one was like a, a hotel operating out of a private hotel, a private hotel in uh, Ikebukuro. If so, back to the writer, if so, I want the Japanese government to act immediately. The Chinese Communist Party is a master of infiltration, exploring opportunities to send spies into foreign countries. Not a small number of private Chinese associations in Japan, especially some of those capped with cultural economy, undermine Japanese sovereignty behind the scenes while loudly calling for Japan-Chinese friendship. I hope the Japanese government will take relevant countermeasures as soon as possible. Okay, very, very, <laughs> very... Very optimistic. Uh, we can kind of see, though, that according to her, she is the winner of the prestigious Akutagawa Prize Literary Award, and that has also gone out to, like, Kenzaburo Owe. A lot of people thought that um, Owe, sorry, that uh, Haruki Murakami was going to win in, but uh, he's not fancy enough. So, unfortunately, Mr. Murakami, who I've seen at a jazz concert and running around. So... <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Th this idea of of these police stations is, is very creepy, but I'm not. I haven't seen them. But whether they're, it's just like somebody from the Chinese government liaising, li liaising with residents and occasionally, you know, intimidating somebody. The advertising effect for the Jap the Chinese Communist Party has been fantastic. Now everybody is like, how does the Chinese government do this? They are masters. They they set up police stations in other countries. Wow, how authoritarian. How And, of course, authoritarian also means, wow, they speak with such authority. So the branding effect on of these um, of these police stations is twofold. One, it, it, it makes the diaspora of Chinese citizens around the world maybe shut up a little bit. I'm not sure if totally, but maybe enough. And it's kind of weird when you think about Asian immigration in a lot of places. Like uh, in Canada, we have a lot of Chinatowns. We also have a lot of Asian people. Koreans stick to each other. But a lot of like Japanese people after a few generations just kind of melt right into the population. But Chinatown stays Chinatown for 150 years. <laughs> it's very interesting. I don't know how they do it. I wouldn't be that, uh, that, that pushed to do something like that. I'd be like... Hey, that person over there kind of want to bang and maybe get married. I don't care who they are. So that's, the, but one more thing that I want to bring attention, um, a similar thing, but a very different thing. So looking at the substrate of coincidi, of coincidences, this comes to us from the Taiwan News, taiwannews.com.tw. Taiwanese buys anti-CCP book, gets scam call from Chinese propagandist. Caller posing as a marketing department tells consumer book content inappropriate. So it's not like it's a police station where they're like going around shooting people and catching the bad guys. It's more like an infiltration, um, psychological operation. That's what it seems like to me. A woman who purchased the book, If China Attacks, from the S Light, this is from Taipei, from Taiwan News. So we're going from Japan to Taipei, but there's like this correlation between the two. Uh, S Light Bookstore in February reported receiving a scam call on Saturday, May 13th, promoting Chinese propaganda. Yang 
Yang Hsin Tzu, Deputy Executive Secretary of the nonprofit Here I Stand Project, shared her experience along with videos of her interaction with the caller on social media. She wrote that on Saturday afternoon at around 3.30 p.m. 33, she missed two strange calls with the country code plus 28. At around 7 p.m., the number called again and she picked up. The voice was female, quote, the voice was female, and from the beginning she spoke in a very different tone, Yang wrote. The caller claimed to be a representative of S-Light Bookstore wanting to do a survey following Yang's February purchase of the book, If China Attacks. It should be when China attacks. When Yang asked what the survey was about, the caller replied, the book you bought contains very sensitive content. This content is inappropriate, so I wish to hear your opinion. Quote, end quote. The Yang, sorry, Yang wrote that despite the caller's Taiwanese-like accent, it became apparent to her that she was not truly a Taiwanese native. At that moment, quote, at that moment, I was both nervous and excited, not wanting to miss the chance to face off directly with Chinese communists. Oh, wow. These people got sauce. After asking the caller to call back after she readies herself with the book, Yang prepared to record the call. A man spoke to her in the follow-up call, claiming to be from the same bookstore's marketing department. Yang wrote that the second caller had super poor acting skills and did not bother to hide his stance. As soon as the survey began, he said, China has strong military prowess and there is no way Taiwan will come out victorious. In their conversation, the man repeatedly claimed that the U.S. won't help. Taiwanese soldiers are afraid of war. China Kuomintang KMT is better. He also declared the unification of Taiwan is inevitable. Voting for the Democratic Progressive Party will result in unification by force, and voting for the KMT will result in peaceful unification and one country, two systems. The man also argued with Yang about her nationality, claiming that she is Chinese despite having been born and raised in Taiwan. Quote, Taiwan is an inalienable part of China's territory, he said, telling Yang her view of Taiwan as its own country is no good. Anyways... I'll end it there. Um, Taiwanese have a little bit more sauce. Uh, there's there's some videos. I'll, I'll be quoting, put it, pasting the videos. I'm getting myself into a lot of trouble here on, on behalf of Asian people that would never come to me for anything, any support. Uh, but uh, it's just kind of interesting that the Chinese person in Japan received this kind of, uh, you know, under the, under, under, the, under the radar subterfuge influence campaign and this Taiwanese person person who bought this book apparently received the same type of influence campaign i would just tell them to pound sand i would just say screw you i'm not doing anything wrong i'm gonna read what i want to read and i'm tired of people interfering with my affairs when i'm just a curious individual trying to figure out what's going on in the world and if you're getting in the way of that maybe you are the person that needs to eat a giant dildo covered with shit filled with aids and covid and spray it into your spinal cord after we're done with it. How does that sound? Hmm? Weird? It should. Sounds very weird. Tim Hirschner of Cincinnati loves his Honda Civic wagon because he can fill it up with everything he needs to fill up his hot air balloon. All right. I just played that because it's weird, and I said something weird. Let's move on to Japan Society 5.0 and then close it out for the day. The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. 
artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0, a technology-based, human-centered society. The fourth industrial revolution will raise our standard of living and solve various challenges we face. It will, for example... All right, so that's all Klaus Schwab speak. It's all World Economic Forum speak. Go throughout uh, the history of when they started saying that the World Economic Forum and when they started saying it in Japan and when they start saying it now. Um, not too much here for today, though. Um, this is kind of funny. Kishida says, Prime Minister, Japanese Prime Minister Kishida says, Japan aims to lead international rulemaking efforts for AI use. Now, I've studied AI like nobody's business. I'm uh, Nobody knows AI like I know AI. I'm not a coder, but I've looked at the international applications and where it's going and how it's used and where the profit models are. It was my job for five years and I spent 40 hours a week. I didn't take vacations. I was just fascinated with the world of AI. How much time? We have a lot of time. I might just go long today just to cover all this stuff. So um, when you look at the patents for AI around the world, it, a few years ago, it was mostly America, then China, and then like we'll say... 60% America, uh, 25% China, and then an equal distribution of all the other major countries where you would expect um, AI uh, patents to occur. Japan, Canada, some European countries, and so on. Now, at that time, China had 25% or more, and Japan had about 5%. What separated Japan were 5 to 10%. What separated Japan from the rest of the world, though, was that a lot of the other 5 to 10% range countries, most of their patents were from the um, public sector and owned by, like, you know, university professors or those types of people. But the Japanese patents were mostly owned by, like, Toyota or something like that. So the difference was apparent. But, you know, in terms of amount of know-how and AI know-how and applications around the world, uh, Japan is not a leader. It's not a leader at all. Most people don't even think about Japan as some sort of sophisticated, uh, high-tech country in the world. They think about it as an efficient country, like where the trains run on time. They have some automated trains. Uh, it's efficient. But, I mean, it's still very low-tech from the from the day-to-day -day kind of thing. Everybody here is an engineer, so everybody has string and little... You know, they, they buy boxes filled with, you know, portals and they're very good at managing space and stuff like that. But in terms of like um, AI, Japan is not even not even on the map. So Kishida says Japan aims to lead international rulemaking efforts for AI use. I don't know how they're going to do that. They're not going to do that. This one's interesting, though. I've known about this for a while. Self-driving test of bullet train or Shinkansen proves successful for JR Tokai. Um, it makes sense. There's very few humans on the tracks. The trains are all very similar to each other. They're, they're on this tight schedule. They already run to the minute. You could automate a lot of that without much without much issue. I mean, the um, Yudikawame line train in Tokyo already has uh, no drivers on it most of the time. It, only when something happens where they need to have a driver that uh, comes in and opens up the panel to drive the train. But for the most part, 
there's no, there's, and it's an old train. There's no people driving the train. Kishida can't believe his ears. PM Kishida can't believe his ears at the sound of him speaking. Now, this comes to us from another one of those crappy G7 reports where this is a, this is a long-standing policy by uh, AI voice creators where they want to mimic someone powerful like Barack Obama. And then you say, that wasn't Barack Obama. That was AI. And then they go, oh, my God, if AI can do Barack Obama, we're doomed because we won't understand what's happening. Whereas, I mean, who cares? It doesn't really matter. You can kind of tell after five minutes if something is AI or not. But these people in positions of power go, whoa, now they sound like me? Wow. Oh, me? It's like a flattering campaign. And they, Well, we better invest in this. So... If the same company chose somebody else, like a truck driver, it's like, whoa, the truck driver's like, kind of sounds like me. I'll give you 20 bucks. But the leader of Japan's like, what sounds like me? Well, here's $50 million. That's kind of the idea. So um, all of these uh, AI companies trying to develop voices that sound like rich and famous people are just integrating that existing fame into their own identity to repackage and sell it later. That's all it is. Don't trust them. Um, Japan's mega solar power projects stalling despite push for renewable energy. ANA's net zero project will go wheels up in May from Hiroshima. Yeah, this is great. This is one of those things where it's like, hey, we are purchasing green credits from forests in Africa and so now we're not polluting with our planes, all right? Um, the main thing, though, and this is the one that I'm, my ongoing theme with AI in Japan Society 5.0 is when we focus AI and automation on things, um, like the bullet trains, it kind of works pretty well. It, it's something that can be ironed out. But when we push it on people, it, it really doesn't, um, and it only leads to like more speculation and distrust. This comes to us from Kyoto News. 7,300 health, health insurance entries erroneously linked to my number IDs. Now, the my number card is supposed to be this digital card where you do digital things and it's digital and makes digital life easier and less paperwork. But I got my, my number card. A lot of people don't have theirs. And all it's done for me is created paperwork. They're like, we need photocopies of your my number card. Uh, we need to have you write down your my number card. What's your nine my number card um, number? Uh, can you write it down, please? It's only created more paperwork for me. So the idea that this my number card is making things digital is probably for only the government and not for the people. Around seven thousand three hundred cases involving my number national identification cards linked to health insurance data have been found to have contained erroneously registered information because it's people doing people things, and then the, the people make a mistake, and then it gets sent through the system, and now it's automated, and everybody gets the wrong thing. Such errors have led to five cases in which users' medical information has been exposed to others between October 2021 and uh, November 2022. It's only five, but how would you feel if that was you? You wouldn't like that. Then you would say, well, I did all these things to make things easier for me, and in the end... It just got leaked out to somebody who didn't even need to see it. I don't want them knowing that I have uh, bloody stools. I mean, that's not something I want Mr. Takeshi-san over there knowing. And then you say, well, that wasn't me, but I don't want that to be me. So again, this distrust can only grow. 
the incorrect registrations have been corrected. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and relevant organizations such as the health insurance associations have been requested to ensure they do not occur again. Oh, thank you. It is believed that the health insurance associations had incorrectly registered my number card information, making everything go crazy. Separately, the ministry confirmed on Friday 14th cases across different cities of the wrong residence certificates being issued to people using the My Number Cards function to print documents at convenience stores. Um, sorry, confirmed on Friday 14 cases across different cities of the wrong residence. Uh, resi this is terribly written. I'm going to say it again. Separately, the ministry confirmed on Friday there are or have been 14 cases across different cities um, where incorrect residence certificates were issued to people using the My Number Cards function to print documents at convenience stores, including two in Tokyo's Adachi Ward. So people get the wrong one. So when people are, when people not trained in AI are doing AI and then sending automated digital processes throughout the system and it just gets sent out to people in a country like Japan where it's still flip phones and fax machines a lot of the time the leap is not going to make a lot of sense and it's not like it's um in China they leapfrogged all this so they don't have all this legacy systems in place but in in like I said I have this my number card but it exists inside the, the legacy system where it's supposed to be this digital alternative but the analog mainstay is so powerful that my digital wishes for this card that I have to make my life easier keep getting sucked into this black hole of administrative paperwork. And it's not like I take my number card, my, it's not like I take my, my number card somewhere and I go, thank you for the digital process, people. It made things easier for me and I'm happy. It's like I take my digital card somewhere and they make me scan it and then write down the information again. And I don't consider that necessarily something convenient nor digital. So thank you, Society 5.0. Good luck, Mr. Kishida-san, in implementing Japan's wishes to regulate the world of AI when you uh, can't even appropriately get the right information to the right citizens using technology that is not that hard or crazy to do so. Japanese AI, not really a thing yet, but we shall see. The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0, a technology-based, human-centered society. I'm going to move to the last topic, and I want you to think about why maybe I am playing this COVID virus theme but perhaps, maybe just perhaps, not even talking about COVID. Coronavirus. The Wuhan flu doesn't kill you. The media panic will. Now do whatever the government tells you to do. Syphilis upward trend continues across Japan after recent record numbers. Wow, why would syphilis be so high these days? I wonder. I wonder. I wonder what's happened in the past few years. Cases of syphilis in Japan reached record highs for two years straight, and the upward trend is continuing this year with no end in sight, according to the country's National Institute of Infectious Diseases. Preliminary data show the number of people infected with the STD this year hit a total of 4,370 as of April 23rd. 
But get this, in 2022, for the whole, during the same period, I'm sorry, there were 3,027 infections. So that's 1,300 more infections in the same period. Last year, an all-time high of 3,677 people were confirmed infected with syphilis in Tokyo, which is the highest number of cases in the country. Um, between 2017 and 2019, that figure reached 1,700-ish, but declined slightly to 1,579 in 2020. 2020 was that big pandemic year before there were any vaccinations available. Remember that? Remember that crazy time? However, the figure rose more than 50% the following year, with 2,451 people infected. Since the beginning of the year, the pace of infection hasn't slowed. By the end of April, 1,255 people have been infected with the STD, 242 more by the same point in 2022. Hmm. Around three weeks from the start of the infection, symptoms... Get ready to eat. I hope you're eating. Mm, symptoms such as lumps and sores appear on the regions of the body where the bacteria have taken hold, such as the genitals or mouth. The symptoms disappear within several weeks, even without any treatment. However, leaving the infection untreated can result in abnormalities to blood vessels, the heart or the nervous system potentially appearing years or even decades later. Even after a person is infected, the immune system cannot defeat the condition. Oh, so is this an immune? What what, what happened during that time that would make people's immune system not as strong as it was before? So it is possible to become infected multiple times. So antibodies are essential for treatment. Why are syphilis cases on the rise? The majority of infections are passed through sexual contact, including even merely kissing. In Tokyo, where the higher population of young people is a factor, an official at the Tokyo Metropolitan Infectious Disease Surveillance Center said, quote, one of the major causes is thought to be an increase in opportunities for sexual encounters, end quote. Really? When everybody was locked down? Hey, I went and got my vaccine, and then I got a fucking blowjob from a whore. The infected with syphilis in Japan, those infected with syphilis in Japan exceeded 10,000 for the first time in 2022. In the same official's view, quote, it's possible the number of cases will continue to rise from here, end quote. And the official urges people to take precautions, such as practicing the proper use of condoms to prevent infection and proactively getting tested for, and proactively, don't just get tested for syphilis, proactively get tested for syphilis. So there we go. I'm going to end it there for today. Um, I just, I just, you know, I, I know I played the virus thing and uh, must have been an accident because as people's immune systems are seem to be really lowering, you know, yeah, I think you get it. We're only at the beginning of this, by the way. We'll see where this goes. Al Capone had syphilis and so did a bunch of whores and they all went nuts. Maybe they had syphilis before the pandemic. Maybe everybody just had syphilis before the pandemic. And then it was like a, a simultaneous reaction of, of, of people hearing about COVID-19 as syphilis reached a civilizational high and then only the next year, people started realizing it was spreading, but it already had been spreading in mm, simulation, no, no, simultaneously with COVID. So it was a simultaneous spread of syphilis and COVID, and that's why everybody went insane. 
Makes total sense, doesn't it? I could just say it's climate change. Or, or, <laughs> Am I listening to too much talk radio? Thank you very much for listening, everybody. MatthewPMBigelow.com. Uh, this has been the Japan What Podcast. You found it. Coming at you from the back end of Tokyo. The armpit of Asia. This has been the Japan What Podcast. MatthewPMBigelow.com. Leave us a donation. Send us some traffic. And until next time... It's a good tuna, but I think I paid too much.